Hello, hello everyone, this is C.S. Joseph, and welcome to How to Type Kendrick Yui, because uh, why not? And I decided that it would be really cool to invite uh, some members of the MBTI YouTube blogosphere, or video sphere, or whatever sphere you desire to call it, uh, for the sake of, um, you know, having a, promoting a general understanding, getting to know people, networking, but also for the sake of uh, a lot of the new people who don't understand what Myers-Briggs type indicator is, or objective personality system, or the four sides of the mind, etc. Uh, I think all those things are very necessary and uh, important uh, thereof. And at the end of the day, we have to go out of our way to support the new people coming into the community. And Kendrick is one of those people that I maintain is absolutely necessary uh, for the MBTI blogosphere because people could just go to his channel. He invites all of the YouTubers to his channel, has conversations with them, kind of tries to dig down to the understanding as to like where they're coming from, what kind of uh, systems they're representing. Maybe it's their own system, maybe it's someone else's system, and their general understanding of that. And what this does is it helps um, provide supporting and conflicting opinions, systematically speaking, for every single person out there that is trying to engage uh, with the science and, and come to a better understanding uh, for themselves. And like Kendrick would say, and I'm borrowing his words here, ultimately is for personal growth. And I see Kendrick as one of those people who is a nexus uh, from which uh, anyone can just kind of like, I, I don't know where to start. Well, start with Kendrick because they can kind of come to know all of the different perspectives in one place and then afterward they can pick and choose what they resonate with the most as a result so with that being said i'd really like to uh welcome kendrick to the show and uh, uh nope there he is and uh awesome so thanks for joining us uh today kendrick it's great to have you very happy to have you on hey the chase show. good to see you again man thanks for yes. having me yes yes gosh <laughs> it's been what nine months eight months I, I don't even remember a year gosh it's a while i think and, and 11 months 11, 11 months. months yeah it's been 11 months yeah, yeah that was um it, it was a really fun show um i i've only been on a few uh shows for various youtubers um uh you know only a few of them and like i was telling you earlier like as you said you know you don't chase you know you you're really controversial, you know, and, and, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I, a lot of uh, a lot of the YouTubers like throw shade at me, but but you never did, and I appreciate that very much. I I have no problem doing collaborations with uh, you know the ones that don't throw shade and whatnot, but at the same time, like you're a little bit different. It's not necessarily about throwing shade as much as it is, like I said, you being that nexus for new people trying to get acquainted with the science and that's i just i love that channel that you have because uh you know although i need to uh who is it nf geek or something like that you know uh maybe i need to spend more time on your channel to kind of get to know some of the other youtubers because you have them all in one place etc so but thank you for what you do man i i think it's really helpful to the community and and you're definitely doing a good thing in, the, in that direction. Thanks, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so 
we got uh, got some people uh, joining in now. We got 30 people just randomly here, and uh, we got emailed Anthrax, which is an interesting name, and uh, saying hello, Kendrick, ENFP Mel, what up, everyone, and uh, Guillerme, Major Spam, uh, and apparently, according to Major Spam, you look like an NFP. So great <laughs> they're already they're already making their judgments they're, they're already making your judgment their judgments about it so but anyway a couple of questions um so so how did you get into this science like what what drew you to this uh to this lifestyle and your channel and everything how did that all start i started when i was uh 26 i went to school and i was officially typed by uh, myers-briggs practitioner um, when I was in college he came in gave us like the sheet of paper to fill out and whatnot and after we submitted it he gave us like a thick report on our personality type and I got ENFP um, as a result so since then I've been going to YouTube and reading different books like CareSafe for example and uh, my whole goal is personal growth uh, my biggest thing back then was I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was that guy that was so scattered. Like I would get, I would try so many different things and I would start a lot of things, but I would never finish anything. So I was already in my mid twenties and I still had nothing. Like I had nothing built, you know, no career, like no girlfriend, nothing. And I just really wanted to know myself better so that I know what to do with my life because I felt like such a loser. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how I got started because that's that was my opinion of myself and my current life. Wow, you know that kind of reminds me of where I was at. I got into the science um, when I was 21, and basically in an effort to save my marriage. I was in a a very uh, sexless relationship, no passion, no anything, and it just it often felt like I was with somebody who was insanely entitled. But then again. It's also my fault because I didn't spend enough time or effort um, taking responsibility for meeting my own needs. Uh, I put that responsibility on other people, which is wrong. Uh, I also lacked personal standards so that I would keep myself, you know, following my own standards to make sure that I'm meeting my own needs. And I think the worst one, though, is I didn't uh, enforce my boundaries. So I was just in this really dark place uh, when I was 21, trying to figure out what the hell is wrong. And I tried everything. I read so many books. I read, um, you know, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, I, I, which is like a classic. I read The Five Love Languages. I, I tried to just immerse myself in relationship psychiatrics as much as possible. But then I stumbled upon Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, I took the test for the first time, ended up INFJ, which was the first time I took the test. And then I also had the experience of an actual practitioner coming in, certified practitioner uh, to our university. And I signed up with them. And it was weird because only six people signed up for that. Apparently, it wasn't really that big of a deal uh, in those days when I was 21, which is about 13 years ago now. And I, I, they ended up classifying me as an INTJ from that point in time. And then every time I took the various tests online, it could be the human metrics test or 16personalities.com, etc., I would often test as an INTJ. And 
I maintained that for like six years, basically, and it really wasn't until I was 27, um, uh, which, and you said your age where you had this epiphany was 26, 27, correct? I, I, what did you just say with that? Uh, 26, 26 was when I discovered Myers-Briggs, but I had the epiphany when I was uh, 27, 28. Oh, okay. 27, 28. Yeah. It's kind of interesting how like men often have their epiphanies around 27, 28, um, a few years after women typically have their epiphanies, which is about 26 at the latest, as, as near as I can tell. And I, I, I'm right there with you, man. It, it's, um, that was also a huge uh, time for me. And I had my like identity crisis where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not actually an INTJ. I'm actually an ENTP, which is an extremely painful experience that I had to deal with by both of my mentors at the time. So yeah, it, 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 it's been rough and it's been a long journey for me personally. But less about me and let's talk more about you. Um, so what systems did you did you discover or did you prefer or what worked best for you? And, and, and what system are you going for now the most and, and how is that benefiting you and people in your life so far? Uh, when I learned about Myers-Briggs, the, the first thing I went to towards was KRC right away. So for the longest time, KRC was my, my go-to uh, resource. Like I have that book, uh, Please Understand Me Too. And that was pretty much like my favorite book on the Myers-Briggs system. And later on, I learned about Dave's superpowers and he was talking about cognitive functions. And that, that to me just made so much sense because uh, sometimes you read some of these books and they kind of look like horoscope descriptions as opposed to something that is more practical in real life. Um, and I was looking for something that was practical because I was wondering, why am I such a why why am I such a loser? Why is my life always messed up? Like, what can I do to improve myself? And the cognitive function was the one that kind of brought that into light. You know, I know personally, Hacker also covers uh, cognitive function a lot, and uh, those are the kind of system that I was that I'm to, to this day I'm still really drawn to is the cognitive function because I feel like if you know how to use your cognitive function, then you're gonna have a lot less life problems. So I'm the kind of person that likes to learn from everyone's system just to make sure that I can get the best from everyone's system. Because I feel like every system has something to, do, to bring to the table. Uh, currently, I use the Objective Personality System by Dave Superpowers and his wife, Shannon. And I was drawn to their system because of how objective they type people. Like they do the double blind scientific method where two people go behind closed doors and they type you and then they come together and see if they get the same results. And if they don't get the same result, then clearly they have some biases that they need to hash out and they need to try again. Um, so I was really drawn to the objectivity part of it where they're really trying their best not to give an opinion, but instead use different parts. And every part, every part of your cognitive function has a specific definition. And they type people based on emotional spikes as opposed to what they're saying. Because people are full of shit, right? They'll say things, but you know, people don't really, people don't know themselves um, as much as they think they do, and they're looking for the pattern of okay, what is causing this person to have an emotional spike? What causes them to be calm? What causes them to get riled up? And when they see the person getting riled up, that is the clue that they look for in order to determine someone's type. Because you can't cover up fear when someone is in a fear state then it comes out very obviously and you just can't hide it, you know? And everyone 
is freaked out about something. Uh, so in their system, for example, EPs in general, like any EP type, uh, are scared of being controlled. Uh, any EJs, they like to serve other people, but they don't know themselves well, or they don't do anything for themselves, even if they know themselves. Uh, the IP is the opposite of the EJ, where they're super all about themselves, and they don't see the tribe's perspective. So later on, they get tribe hate, and you know they get abandoned, and those, that kind of stuff. Uh, the IJs are scared of chaos, so they're always fear-mongering. Something bad is right around the corner. Uh, they're always thinking that the, the worst possible thing is going to happen, you know? So uh, so that's kind of like the basis of the system they use. And I, I really like that system just because of it's easy to track when you watch someone's videos. Like, oh, this guy's freaking out about, um, you know, about uh, this person has an identity crisis. Oh, this person's an EJ, you know? Or this person, uh, this person's so selfish, you know, everyone hates Everyone's getting upset at this person because they're so, you know, into themselves only. Oh, it's probably an IP, right? Um, you know, I mean, this is just overall generalization. Obviously, there's more to it than that, but that's kind of like the the general direction I'm in currently. Okay. And um, how how so so you had the uh, the MBTI practitioner type you ENFP initially. And then uh, Dave's system being uh, objective personality system for so OPS. So with OPS right now, uh, is that the primary? So uh, or I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like that is the primary system that you are using. It also sounds yes. like um, okay. So so what was the result that you got from OPS and why? How how did that come together for you? When did you have that experience and how did that work out? Uh, so when Dave came back to the scene, because he stopped making YouTube videos for a long time, and then suddenly he came back, and right when I saw him making videos, I just reached out to him. I sent him an email just thanking him for making those old videos that he used to make uh, because he was the one that introduced cognitive functions to me. And I just thanked him for bringing that into light because it really helped me grow as a person. And now that his new system was in place and he was t teaching people that uh, to work on your fourth function, essentially, he said that your fourth function is your blind spot. And if you work on that, a lot of your life problem will go away. Um, so I spoke to him on the phone. He gave me a free uh, coaching call over the phone. And uh, he said that I sound like an ENFP, but not the standard ENFP. He said I sounded like a jumper ENFP based on all these things that I said um, during our call. Then I actually met him and his wife in person. And shortly after, I, sub I submitted um, for official typing doing the double blind scientific method. And the exact typing that they gave me was ENFP, play blast, consume sleep, masculine, feminine. Um, so what that means is uh, play, play is the combination of your NE and your TE together those two functions together. So they said that I, I didn't use NE and FI first. I used NE and TE first. That's why I came across very NT. And then they said I used BLAST second, which is a combination of SI and TE, uh, because they said I'm always giving like, lessons and I have some access to my SI. And then third, they said I had consumed, which is NE, FI. And they said that I'm using that as a hobby to learn and gather new experiences and new knowledge. And they also said I was an info dominant because I have blast and consume in my first 
for my first three animals. And what that means is blast is teaching and consume is learning, right? So he said, I'm balanced with learning and teaching. Um, but he said, I have sleep blast and sleep is a comp is pretty much um, preserving your energy, processing your emotions and uh, setting boundaries. And he said that that was my biggest problem spot was that I, I'm not processing my emotions as well. I am not setting boundaries with other people as well. And I'm not taking a break to conserve my energy. He said, I'm just all in go, 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 go uh, because of my play, play first. So when he said that to me at first, I was like, is that really true? I mean, I, I knew this, I was sleep last, but I wasn't sure if I, if they were accurate with the blast or consume. But later on, after I look at my own life, I'm like, oh yeah, I am like that. I am, I'm definitely doing that. Um, and I, so I started working on, you know, resting more and preserving my energy more. So that's how I got the result I came up with. And then they, they have like specific action steps to work on um, in order to work on that last, they call it animal. Uh, yeah. And then um, they said I'm masculine feminine uh, because the way I learn is auditory. So they said anyone that's masculine feminine is auditory and kinesthetic. Um, and uh, the way it works is the first letter is your sensory function. So for me, it's SI. So they said I have masculine SI because I'm good at recalling uh, numbers and details, but they said my intuition is feminine. So they said that S and N are the polar opposites. So they said that my, my extrovert intuition is feminine and I have a tendency to forget the patterns and concepts that I've already gathered. And so later on when I reread it again, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and then the second part of the sexual modality is that's what they call it is um, your tribe function. And they said that TE is my tribe function. They said tribe function is TE or FE depending on your personality type. And they said my TE is feminine. Uh, they said I'm feminine with a tribe, but I'm masculine with myself. So they said my FI is masculine, but my TE is feminine. And uh, uh, they said I'm going to flow with people. I'm really easygoing. I don't perceive other people as a threat. I see people as friends. And uh, but they said that I have FI. So for me, I'm masculine with how I see myself. So that's, that's how, uh, that's how they type me essentially. All right. Um, that's very, uh, see myself. it's very fantastic. Um, so, so basically a variant of the ENFP is the result. Uh, I, I, it's hard for me to translate OPS into you know what the CSJ community is typically used to, which is you know the type grid, etc. But I was hoping perhaps maybe you could help us translate that today. And I have prepared a type grid uh, for both of us to utilize. I gave you access to it um, recently, and you and I can go through it together, hopefully. <clears throat> so we can uh, we can uh, definitely do that. Um, although we have some really really interesting comments. Some people say you're an INFP or an ENFP. Uh, some say definitely not an ENTJ. Uh, some say you're SE hero. Uh, second guess is ENFP. Some guy says ESTJ. Wow. Uh, I mean, everyone's just kind of all over the place right now. Uh, and some guys like this guy's definitely a starter. This guy's extroverted. Uh, another guy says he's concrete and informative, etc. Uh, right. 
Melissa Walker says, he reminds me of my daughter. She's an ESFP. Yeah. Um, Marky Mark just randomly says wrong because that's what he does in this channel. He just randomly says things. Uh, doesn't right. always have to make <laughs> sense. Um, well, I, I was actually typed as the most extroverted type in, in their system. So I am extroverted. Really? All right. Yeah, they said that they, they said there's like a 512 types. They said I'm crank up right at like the like second to the most extroverted, like just one notch away from the most extroverted. What, what so. is the most extroverted then? I, I got to know. What is that? Uh, they said the double masculine is the most extroverted. Okay. So like an ESTP. Yeah. I'd imagine. Well, well, no, they said that, well, they said that every type has four sexual modalities. So you can have a double masculine ENFP and a double feminine ENFP. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm in the middle for that, but they said that because of the masculine TE, you're even more extroverted than the feminine TE because the feminine TE is a little bit more like um, submissive to the tribe. So w when someone's talking, I don't want to talk because like I, I feel like I need to be submissive to you, you know. So that that's the only reason why I would be less extrovert than those guys. So so when arguing tribe over self and self over tribe <clears throat> like they do, um, how does masculinity and femininity actually correspond into tribe over self or self over tribe? Because I'm actually doing an episode on that in the very near future. I think this week, actually, for season 31. Um, but I'd, I'd really like to get your take on that before we continue the show. Uh, well, the way they define it, and I totally believe it, is that if you are masculine on the outside, then you are feminine on the inside and vice versa. So everyone is essentially masculine and feminine. It just comes out uh, differently depending on your specific personality type. So um, if you watch a lot of videos of like bodybuilder guys who are like super jack and stuff and they act like super tough and they can like rip your head off. But then you see them like later on talking to like their girlfriend or whatever and they're like acting like a girl and like they're posting like a chick. You're like, what the fuck is happening here? It's like... I don't know if I can swear on your channel, but... Uh, you can do whatever you want. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, so it's like, you know, like, what the fuck is going on here? This guy's like a tough, tough guy, and he's acting like a chick now. What the fuck? Well, it's it's because everyone is masculine and everyone is feminine. It just depends where it comes out. Is it coming from the outside or is it coming from the inside? So that's kind of like the definition of it. And and when I learned that, it was kind of shocking for me because now when I talk to people and I see like a tough-looking person, whether girl or guy, I know inside they're, they're a girl. You know, if they're tough on the outside. But I know so when someone is acting like really feminine and submissive on the outside, I know inside they're like a, they're masculine. And, you know, be careful because they're like, they call it cat energy. Because if you push them, get their back behind the wall, they'll scratch your eye out, you know. So it's, it's you know, so what one is barking at you. But then if you call them out, the girl comes out. They're like, ah, you know. So it's it's kind of interesting how, how that works. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that actually kind of fits uh, Carl Jung's theory of the anima and animus uh, specifically. And it's also talked about in his other book called Ion, uh, specifically the first five chapters of Ion, which the four sides of the mind theory is based upon uh, his book Ion. Uh, so I, I could definitely I could definitely see where they're coming from uh, from that perspective for sure, which I think is really fascinating. Uh, so uh great um so uh now that we have all that information and thank you for sharing uh 
that and your experience as well as um, the overall sets of opinions and ways of doing things and methodologies and processes uh, that you've underwent to get to where you are now. Um, I, the, I could tell that the audience is just like, well, uh, we need to see some more. So, so uh, okay, well, I think uh, we're going to be diving right in then, folks. Uh, uh, apparently, Lois Rabies says C.S. Joseph just likes people hating him. Okay. Okay, apparently that's uh apparently that's how I live my life. Okay. So anyway, um I have prepared a software oriented test that we're going to be taking uh with Mr. Kendrick here. So let's all as an audience basically uh go through the typing process according to the four sides of the mind and the type grid right now on this stream. Um I regret though that I don't have uh, the ability to, um, maybe I do actually, um, I'm going to see if I can, if I can adjust the scene here, um, to make sure this works. So let, let me, let me fix my, um, let me fix the scene and, uh, kind of adjust it. Maybe this will work. I, I don't know. I, I hope it does. I, I hope it does. It kind of does. <laughs> Emphasis on kind of, um, Let's zoom out. Let's zoom all the way out. Yeah, there we go. All right, okay, so this is going to have to work um, in terms of the stream. So um, now we have the, the type grid, which is pretty fantastic. This lets us see all the things, little tool tips right here, folks. And then you can hit learn more for even more information down here. Uh, but this is basically what the test is going to look like, uh, although the mobile view is not there, but we're getting there. So this is just the showcase right now, and Mr. Kendrick has been happy uh, to be there with us. Um, so, but I'm going to switch back to the other view, and um, let's see here. It's going to switch back here, and then I'm going to add, uh, let's get Kendrick back there. Okay, so um, do you have it open on your end, uh, on, on your screen? I, ho I hope you do. I'm just seeing the one on the YouTube live right now, but I can open it as well. Yeah, yeah, if you could open it, that, that would be great. It'd just be a lot easier on us because we can navigate it pretty easily um, with the audience. And those of the audience who do have access to this application, go ahead and uh, bring it up and click the test button. And by the way, guys, like there's a lot of um, features going in every week, and we're improving that. So just uh, one thing. Is it the uh, page? Page six on the companion guide. Yeah, page doing? page six. You could do page six on the companion guide, um, or you could go to the Ucha test and just click the test, and you'll be right where I'm at on that page, basically. Oh. Um, but you uh, can also okay. you you do whatever you want. Okay, it's there. fine. All right. So. Yeah. How we use the type grid is that we have five general categories. We're going to be adding two more categories in the near future. We're going to be adding macro versus micro and uh, a few other categories from there. But basically, the type grid itself is an abacus, you know, using calculus. It follows the same logic as a calculus-based model. The, uh, the grid is like an array, and we have different vectors with which we can interact with the array, mathematically speaking, in order to come up with a conclusion. And one of the best things that I liken it to 
would be uh, like a good example would be you know a multiplication table that youngsters use in learning multiplication and you know they're able to like find you know oh it's 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 this or it's or it's this or etc you know on the on the uh, uh, the grid it's the same kind of approach uh, with the type grid etc so that's just kind of uh, you know how we set it up um, but there is expression an expression is kind of like your communication style or interaction style. An expression comes from Dr. Linda Barron's work in her uh, two books. And she, in my opinion, is probably the most prime student of David Kiersey and Dr. Kiersey. And then there's worldview. Uh, most people apply worldview, which is basically temperaments, and apply that directly also to Kiersey. But a little known fact is that worldview actually originally came from Plato, and Plato was the original source of uh, worldview, and Curacy's work is actually based upon uh, Plato, and a lot of people don't understand that either. And then we have affinity, which is like your magic affinity, which is what which of the four elements uh, your personality is attached to, and then there is arsenal, which is how you, on a day-to-day -day basis, fight your battles. Basically, that's what your arsenal is. And then finally, the final set is known as your house. And your house, uh, also known as quadra, that comes from socionics. Uh, where socionics, uh, although the way that socionics does it is not as accurate, in my opinion, in as much as the way that Myers-Briggs type indicator does it is also inaccurate. And uh, oh, my son decided to wake up and join us in his little Converse socks and his walker, and he's walking around. Hey, little man. He's all smiling at me right now. He just wanted to see, apparently. Uh, so, but uh, I'm just giving you like an idea. Like this is where all of these different things come from. Uh, so, going through the test, uh, I'm going to be switching back and forth between these views uh, consistently. Um, so I'll be I'll just switch back and forth, etc. But, uh, but going through the test right now, as we could see um, with all these things, there's there's a lot of different ways of doing it. We could choose expression, we could choose worldview, arsenal, affinity, or house first. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, But I'd like to go back, Kendrick, to what you said earlier uh, in uh, in the show. Like you, you talked about like how in your past you weren't getting a lot finished. You weren't getting a lot of things done. Uh, done in your life could you explore that a little bit more and and what was happening to you and, and how that actually came to be what was the priority or or why were you doing that or how were you doing that i guess would be a more relevant question uh well, when i was younger when i was graduating from high school my counselor actually urged me to go study psychology because the counselor told uh, we did some kind of a personality test using some cards. So he had like some gold cards, some blue card, and whatnot. And I came out as blue, which apparently was psychology uh, related. And he said, "Yeah, you would do good in psychology, and you should study psychology." But then my mom told me it wasn't practical, and I should be an accountant. So I went to school for accounting, and obviously I did bad because I can't like I suck at accounting. <laughs> like I suck at math, even though I'm Asian, I can't do math. You know, like. I, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all Asians are supposed to be good at math, and you know, I'm Asian. I can't do math. You know, I disgrace my race. I'm gonna get kicked out. But, uh, but anyway, so 
long story short, because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do, I couldn't put any effort into it. And as a result, I just flunk out. So at that point, I'm now trying different things within my what my mom thinks I should do. I, but not psychology, because she thinks psychology is a waste of time. Which I think is kind of ironic, because had I just started with that, I think I would have got it a lot further sooner. Um, so I was going to school, but I didn't like anything of what I was studying when I was uh, at that age. And I instead, on my free time, I would explore different things that I would enjoy. And I would expend my energy on my free time doing the things that I actually like instead of things that I ought to do, you know, to, to uh, you know, to finish uh, college, essentially. That's a long time ago in my 30s now. But um, so it wasn't until I was, like I said, like in my, I was like 27, 28 when I realized, I'm like, ah, shit. I, okay, first, the first thing I did is I move out of my house so I don't have to deal with my mother anymore. And I can finally make my own independent decision. Uh, and then once I was out of the house and making my own independent decision, I decided to go towards personal training. So fitness was the first thing ever in my life that I stuck to. And even to this day, I, that's my day job. I work as a personal trainer. So Oh, wow. Um, I had no idea. That's yeah, awesome. So that's my, uh, that's my day job. But um, uh, yeah, I specialize on teaching seniors and people that has injuries. So I like that aspect of it, which is like the more injury prevention as opposed to like getting someone jack or like losing weight loss and whatnot. Um, anyhow, yeah, before that, I was I tried so many different things. I flunked out of three different colleges. I, you know, I just couldn't, I, I'm, I'm also like commitment phobe, so I couldn't commit to anything, you know? So I, like I had trouble with dating too, because I mean, you know, for that exact reason. <laughs> Um, so like commitment was like a big thing that I just didn't want to, uh, to do. So commit commitment and also being scattered, having way too many hobbies and in, in life, you're supposed to pick one or two and then really build up on that. But I wasn't doing that. I just kept opening new boxes of new things and new things and new things. And I'm always at the ground level, never, you know, scaling the building. So that's essentially what I mean by what I meant earlier. Okay. Um, so, so with that being said, let's. Let's actually analyze one of the expression routes um, because I think that's very, uh, very keen with what you're saying with like where the direction you're going in your life. So I'm going to pull up the first tooltip here and I'm going to adjust my, my screen appropriately. And this tooltip is the progression versus outcome. And so we have uh, two one sentence definitions for each. So progression is let's figure out a quick plan and get moving. We'll flesh, out, we'll flesh out the plan along the way. Or outcome. We need to plan everything that we're going to do so we don't waste our time, right? Um, and then if we're going to hit the learn more button, uh, progression is a focus on movement toward a goal or aim, getting from point A to point B quickly and efficiently with less concern on the result. Progression is spontaneous. It is restless. It fears inaction. From an outcome standpoint, outcome is the opposite. It's uh, controlled, measured, does not feel rushed. It doesn't rush. The quality of the desired outcome is preserved. Uh, outcome is patient and planning and planning every single little detail and then following that plan exactly. Uh, it insists on certainty. Progression is prone to you know, having some hang-ups and those hang-ups are 
lack of planning, it's imprecise, it can cut corners, it can be, people will claim like, hey, you're a little too fast, uh, you're bringing unnecessary chaos here. Whereas outcome, you know, some of the negative things that people see about outcome is like, wow, you're too slow, or you overplan everything, or they have scope creep, or, uh, you know, they're being too controlling because they're trying to control that outcome, basically. Um, whereas, you know, progression, it aims to get things done or accelerate or keep things going, expedite, maintain continuous improvement. Outcome aims to reduce chaos as much as possible, uh, manage everything, uh, obtain quality results, regulate everything, do it right the first time, which basically means it's not spontaneous. It, it just it just won't do that. It's like the opposite of spontaneity. So 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 based on based on that model, uh, Kendrick, where do you think you would align with? Do you align more with outcome or progression based on those definitions? Ah, uh, man, I think I lean more towards uh, progression. Uh, I'm not against outcome though because um, I did take a year to go backpacking around the world. So I traveled to, the, I took a year off and I went to 75 different countries. And I actually planned exactly which countries I would go to and how I was gonna go there from point A to point B. So in that sense, I can do that outcome thing, but knowing myself in my life, I prefer to just wing it uh, most of the time. So- Me too. Yeah, so yeah, I guess you could say, even though I could do that controlled planting, I prefer not to, and I prefer to just, you know, wing it and go with the flow. Always got to wing it. I, I, I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. So uh, adjusting my, my, um, my scene here, definitely going to be going with progression, hands down, um, which immediately eliminates eight of the 16 types that are available. But yeah, for sure. Uh, progression, folks really put more value on the journey instead of the end of the journey because it's like yeah i may not get the result that i wanted but i learned so much from the journey that it ended up being worth it along the way but of course if you're my wife she'll be like no i'm not going to bother going to the house to the store and find out if something might be there i'm only going to leave the house if i know for a fact that something is going to be there so she's that person that's going to call ahead or she's the person that's going to check the app to check their inventory before she even shows up because she's like, I'm not going to waste my time. I'm going to, you know, whereas me, you know, and, 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 you know, likely you with this case, with you stating that your progression, we're just going to show up and see what happens. You know, right. we might get lucky. We might find something else. You know, who knows? Anything can happen, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> so yeah I 100% I, I, I agree. Uh, definitely on the progression side. Um, let's look at uh, initiating um, versus uh, responding next. Um, so for initiating versus responding, they're, they're in my opinion, this is probably the more simpler of them all, um, but initiating folks, they prefer to go to people to get or convey information versus responding people prefer people to come to them uh, first to get or convey information. And it's literally a difference. So initiating is a willingness to start or lead a conversation and to change topics at any time. Or initiating is taking the active role to get to know others, reinforce bonds, provide guidance. Initiating finds energy and in interaction with groups of three or more. Responding is a 
preference for a passive role in conversation and prefers to remain on topic. Responding is waiting for others to initiate and relying on others to keep them in the loop all the time. Uh, and uh, now, you know, some of the negative things that initiating can look like. Uh, initiating is prone to meddling, uh, interrupting, prying, schmoozing, disturbing others, basically. And some of the negatives that responding has is that, um, you know, they're prone to loneliness and shyness and hiding and isolation keeping a low profile uh, whenever possible. Although initiating, however, they like, to, they like to share. They like to network with people. They like to send and congregate and mingle. Whereas responding, their aim is to study or receive, wonder, ponder, imagine. Uh, you know, so like you can see the initiator is the someone who's the sender and the responder is the receiver basically in most interactions, at least that's their preference. Um, you know, and initiating people exhibit the ability to take initiative and they have drive and momentum is really important to them. Uh, they're willing to collaborate and loop in others. Responding folks, however, it's more of an inwardness. It's a reflection, uh, resonance, meditation, very topical. And uh, yeah, so in general, those are those are the uh, the basic differences between you know, initiating versus responding. So, so where do you think or feel uh, you land between initiating and responding? There's, this is clearly initiating. There's no debate. Like, yeah, there like is the fact no I debate. even reach, like, like I reach out to you and you know for an interview and all, all those other guys. You know, like, like who does that, right? Like, <laughs> yep, you've initiated with me every single time we've ever had an interaction, and I'm like, yeah, sure, but. Let's go on my shirt, my show next, and then and then we'll do your right. show afterwards. Yeah, like a absolutely. Um, and which, then I have a progression. I'm like, sure, I don't care what happens. Let's do yeah, it. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> I don't care what happens. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, well, great. Let's let's do the next one then, because uh, I I also uh, agree with that immediately. There's no no contest there. The, the other the other the other one for expression is direct versus informative. Okay, so direct people they say what you mean mean what you say prefers decision making over giving context whereas informative people they provide context and information so the other person can make a decision this can be a little confusing for people this is one of the more difficult ones on the type grid for people to go but let's let's go a little bit deeper direct definitions directive communication is explicit specific concise and forceful directive leaves little doubt as to meaning or intent Direct chooses its own and other people's roles in conversation. Direct, uh, whereas informative, uh, it's implicit. It's very wordy, uh, descriptive, sometimes vague. Uh, it leaves open the possibility of interpretation or of meaning or intent to the listener. Uh, informative provides maximum information without taking on a stand or even revealing their own position on said information. And it allows the listener to decide their position or their role or their stand on the information first. Now some of the negatives, direct comes off to other people as being overbearing, controlling sometimes, very overly explicit. They don't say enough, they under explain. Uh, sometimes people say direct people as aggressive or being excessively forceful. Uh, 
they could also um whereas the informative is that people are like wow you're like way too vague or you're too ambiguous or you're passive aggressive or you're just communicating in an unclear way um other people misinterpreting the context that the informative person is trying to say and informative people have a tendency to beat around the bush instead of just actually say what's in their head however direct tries their best to simplify as much as they can they supervise other people's interactions they're very concise they tell others what to do and they are trying consistently to get to the point whereas informative aims to steer to stir curiosity or to explain a situation or to influence or to highlight or or imply various things direct people are all about clarifying though and uh, especially clarifying intent um, they try to also focus on certainty they can also be really restless and they come off with an air of confidence informative exhibits uh, sometimes they tell stories anecdotes of their own or anecdotes of other people uh, they're they can be pretty tactful they can also be subtle or coy but they are very expository. They're all about explaining things uh, to other people uh, whenever possible. It's all about uh, explication. Whereas direct people in some cases could probably be more of a demonstration. Demonstration versus explication. Explication is the informative side. So based on that, which, um, which of those two would you say you are? Direct or informative? Uh, I, do a, I do both, so it's kind of hard. Uh, I'm probably leaning towards informative a little bit more. If it's maybe like, I don't know, 60, 40, maybe 60%. Yeah, that's fine. Like that's normal. Like oftentimes if you get to a point where you're like 60, 40, pick the one that you are more of uh, because you're looking for a primary role, not something that it is this and is not this, you know? So you want to choose the one that you're more of basically. Like if someone is to have like the test with different options, like I, I do this three out of four times or I do this four out of four times or two out of four, like that kind of stuff. So it gives a, you put in a little bit of a range in there and the range that you have a higher range towards one or the other, then that would be it to choose basically. Uh, okay. If that makes well, sense. 60-40 inform, informative. <laughs> All right. Informative. And I'd agree with that too. And already it's, classified you as a starter type and what a starter type is is a person who puts a lot of energy into the beginning of things and then sometimes they have a tendency to fizzle out later uh, and they can start a lot of things especially earlier in life and they have spent a lot of time either building their focus or their concentration depending on what their cognitive functions are um, but focus and concentration either uh, building up one or the other is something really, really important for a starter type because that allows them to eventually get to the point in their life where they're actually able to finish things instead of start things all the time, right? Um, so does that describe you in general? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, awesome. So yeah, that would be the starter type. So let's, let's talk about worldview next. Um, let's do systematic versus interest, which is also a very fun, uh, a fun one. I, I like it. So systematic makes a complete process, which applies the best method to use in various situations. Or interest-based looks at who stands to gain what on a case-by-case -case basis. So let's hit the learn more button. So systematic people 
those who prefer to show focus on building one framework that prescribes the best way to do everything, like a procedure. Systematic types do so based on models or labels within their framework, technique, methodology, or procedure, versus interest-based definitions. Those who prefer interest tackle each situation uniquely to find win-win situations as defined by interest from all parties involved. Interest types set their expectations based on the interests of others as well as their own interests. Systematic, some negative habits of systematic is they put process over people. They end up caring about the process more than people. They could come off as really insensitive. They put the system over themselves, system over self. They can overanalyze. It's easy for them to gloss over details. Uh, whereas some of the negative points of interest is that they move the goalpost in, in argument. Uh, sometimes they can be seen as being really cheap, uh, like a tight one. Um, sometimes they can put their own interest over the interest of others. Sometimes they, they stand to prefer profit over people. And sometimes they like showing and expecting favoritism uh, is, is what they're prone to. However, systematic aims to build a, a master framework. Uh, they like to classify, build a method, streamline, make things easier, find the best way to do something. Whereas interest aims to gain or haggle or barter or review or wheel and deal. Uh, Again, it's all about trying to create the win-win. You know, they um, and sometimes there's win-lose situations. And a more selfish, interest-based person is like, well, at least I won. You know, because they want to make sure that they're on the side of the win in a win-lose situation. But overall, interest-based people in general prefer to seek the um, um, the uh, the win-win, and which because it benefits everybody. And it's like a interest-based oftentimes is a what's best for everyone approach um, where systematic doesn't really care about that they they choose um, what is the best system for everyone the thing is is that not every system is good for everybody but systematic people think it is and that can be a problem I myself am very guilty of this as a systematic person uh, so systematic exhibits they like standardizing they have ingenuity they have meticulous effort to details, efficacy, development of various techniques. Kind of, they're very mathematical in that regard. Interest-based is they have an agenda at times, but they're also aware of other people's agendas, and they could seek to make other people's agendas come true if they agree with that agenda, which is important. Um, they're all about improvisation or careful appraisal of a situation or object. Interest-based people are very persuasive because they try to persuade people into the win-win. And they can also be very shrewd as a result. So, so based on these definitions, uh, Kendrick, uh, what would you say you are, interest-based or systematic? Interest. I, I, I heavily agree with that, too, very much. Um, because anytime I ever talk to you, you're always aware of what somebody is getting out of a situation compared to what you're getting out of a situation. And I think uh, our, the conversation that we're having in our uh, show prep when we're talking about some of the MBTI YouTubers out there and what they're getting out of certain situations uh, versus others, especially when we were talking about Eric Strauss's uh, criticism of literally everybody uh, out there, um, I, th I think it became increasingly obvious that um, definitely, uh, definitely interest-based. 
So um, awesome. We have interest base in there, and that is great. Um, and here's the next one. The next one, I think, might be the most controversial of the show. Um, but I've been looking forward to having this particular discussion with you, so I'm very excited about this one um, because the audience is very divided on this with you. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but this is the affiliative uh, versus uh, pragmatic approach. So um, here we are. Let's let's dive in, folks. So affiliative versus pragmatic. Affiliative prefers to ask permission rather than forgiveness. Teamwork makes the dream work. Or pragmatic prefers to ask forgiveness instead of permission. If you want something done right, do it yourself. Uh, so learn more. Affiliative types focus on what is good or proper and value interdependence within a group. Affiliative focuses on enhancing group effectiveness to solve problems. Affiliative types act after asking permission first. Uh, pragmatic types instead focus on what works and value self-determination. The pragmatic individual seeks the fastest or most optimal outcome. Because of these characteristics, pragmatic types act first, then ask for forgiveness. Now, some of the negatives of being affiliative. Um, affiliative is being prone to being peer pressured by people. Um, affiliative also sees themselves as these enforcers or these authoritarians that force other people to do things uh, against their will. Uh, affiliative people censor people often and take away other people's voice and opinions. Uh, affiliative people can be very suppressing and they can also compel other people to participate in the things that they don't want to do. The negatives for pragmatic is that they often are dissenting, they're disobedient, they rebel, sometimes they can antagonize or mock, uh, they are contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. It's just like, I'm just going to disagree for the sake of disagreeing. You know, that's the pragmatic approach. Now, what is the affiliative aim? Above all, the affiliative out there, they want to reach an agreement. They want to comply with authority and they want other people to comply with authority. Um, they like receiving approval. They like to mediate in situations and they utilize interdependence, not independence. Pragmatics aim, however, is they like to provide challenge and be challenged and overcome challenge. Uh, they like to optimize, improve, maximize, achieve best personal opportunity and discover the, the solution that works in a given situation. Affiliative people exhibit interconnection, openness, inclusion, teamwork, asking for permission. Uh, and whereas the pragmatic is all about freedom. Everything is about freedom, self-reliance, being frank, being an individual and not part of the collective. Whereas the affiliative is all about the collective, um, etc. And, the, and then because of that, the uh, pragmatic ends up asking forgiveness instead of permission. Um, so, so based on those definitions, uh, where would you say uh, you fit on the uh, pragmatic versus affiliative spectrum? Oh, man, that's hard because I, I, I see myself in both. So it's, it's, it's so challenging. Like yeah. uh, the way you describe a pragmatic, the dream of it really resonates with me. But I don't know if I actually do it, though. Like I like... I like that description. That's what I want. I want freedom. I want all that stuff. Um, do I actually do it though? That's that's the thing though. Like if I if I were to watch myself, do I ask for permission first, or 
do I just do and ask for forgiveness? I've done both, so it's 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 really hard. But what's primary? Like, what's primary? <sighs> Honestly, I ask for permission first. Uh, but but the thing is, after I ask permission and they say no, I'll do it anyways. Oh yeah, you'll you'll do it anyways. <laughs> but I'll uh, yeah, I'll do it anyways after I ask for permission, and so th the answer is going to be yes regardless. But uh, but I will ask first because I want to keep the harmony. Keep the uh, harmony, the okay. Fair enough. Well, we can skip this one if we're not really that sure. We what's great about the type grid is that we can skip. So let's. You want to skip this one? We can come back to it later, or maybe not at all because we can sure. still arrive. Sure. Through. Fair enough. All right. Next one is okay. abstract versus concrete. And I'll read it right here. So uh, abstract prefers to start with what could be and works to make it happen. Concrete prefers to start with what's already known and work towards potential solutions from that. So abstract is a focus on intangibles such as concepts, implications, visualizations, and meanings. Abstract perceives through impression and intuition. Abstract asks, what if? Abstract is future-focused, theoretical, and idealistic. Concrete definition. Uh, concrete is a focus on tangibles such as the physical world, pre-existing systems, known systems, known experiences, uh, known experimentation, and known observation. Observation is everything. How do we know unless we can observe it? It's kind of like um, what you say said with objective personality, how they have that double-blind approach to make sure that that observation is as accurate as possible. A very concrete approach to doing it. Uh, concrete uh, perceives through the five senses of sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. Concrete asks, what is? Concrete is present, uh, past-focused. It's proven. It's also realistic. And above all, concrete is practical. And it seeks the practical. Now, some of the negative things about abstract. It is impractical. Extremely impractical. I, I am very impractical. You should see my friends give me a lot of crap constantly about how impractical I am. Uh, and they are also very unrealistic. I, I am very unrealistic. This is why I married my wife, who is Miss Realistic, because she helps me stay on planet Earth and not go to Mars randomly. Um, abstract also, they're very implausible, very implausible, uh, wild speculation. I Yeah, that's, that's me. Wild speculation. Uh, entertaining unlikely possibilities. I do admit that I waste a lot of time on unlikelihoods and unlikely possibilities just for the sake of experiment and see what could happen, but I, I'm guilty of that. Uh, concrete, however, the negative things about concrete that other people see, people don't like how concrete people are skeptical. Uh, sometimes concrete people are dismissive or they hold a disbelief. It's like, yeah, well, how can you think that? Because no one knows that or no one would think that's true. Sometimes concrete people can tunnel vision and or they can hyper focus on details uh, and not be as open to what's possible another way of looking at it is abstract people are really really aware of consequences i would say hyper aware of consequences to things uh, whereas concrete people are more aware of um not so aware of re of of consequences but they're more there for like reactions Reactions are like immediate consequences, like what's right in front of us, whereas the abstract is like the super long-term consequences that could be happening to us five years from now, basically. So abstract aims to anticipate things before they happen, theorize, 
visualize, anticipate, or uh, I said that, uh, imagine, uh, find hidden meetings, pattern recognition in that regard, um, uh, basically interpreting symbols. Whereas concrete aims to earn experiences or share experiences with other people, uh, get reactions out of other people or have shared reactions. They like to sense they are practical, they are present. Uh, they also calibrate other people's expectations. Uh, they're aware of what expectations other people have or what expectations they have themselves. And sometimes their behavior tries to calibrate or adjust their own expectations or the expectations of others, which is very uh, a concrete approach. Um, so based on that, where would you say you fall in the abstract and concrete? Uh, abstract, no, no competition, 100% abstract. No competition on abstract, absolutely no competition. Okay. Yeah, absolutely abstract. I'm very impractical. I'm also so, naive. <laughs> can you give me Can you give me some examples uh, from your life uh, about you being abstract? Just Just some anecdotes of some kind. Uh, well, I had a dream of being like a travel vlogger, and I I pictured in my head how I was gonna go to all these countries. I'm gonna go visit every single country in the world, and after I do it, I'm gonna be this big YouTuber that like a lot of people is gonna want to watch because I have this awesome travel videos. So. I had a dream. I did it. I traveled a year for one year. I made a blog post. I made some videos. Came back. Nothing. No one gave a shit. You know, like I mean, there's. I had some followers, but it's like minuscule compared to like what I imagine. And I also tried to start a business out of it. Like I started a a, a blog and a YouTube channel on the travel niche, and uh, I just thought people were gonna be lining up to buy my stuff and my information and when I launched my products and services, I did make some sales, but not even close to, you know, making a lot of money, just like just a little bit of sales. So I like my, my, my plans are never concrete. And, and really if I were more concrete, like, cause I was, I was trying to be like a, I don't know if it's a contrarian is the right word, but I'm trying to go against the grain. And uh, I know in the travel niche, the best way to make money, is actually true advertisement, but I didn't want to have any advertisement in my blog and, and YouTube channel, so like I avoided it, which is the most practical thing. It's just like okay, advertisement, you get money from the advertisement. So, yeah, because I was impractical, I didn't use the facts, I didn't gather the fact that okay, that's the reason why everyone's doing advertisement is because that's what works. I just completely shattered on it and did my own vision of things, and clearly it was impractical, and I lost a lot of money because of that. A lot of time too. That's fair. I, I didn't start monetizing my channel until I had 10,000 subs because I listened to Gary Vaynerchuk talking about that and how to like not monetize early. So I never knew when the right time was to monetize something. It's like, hmm, I, I, should I do it now or should I not? I, I have no idea. So, but that that's an interesting standpoint. Okay, um, that's fair. Uh, if we put in abstract, it would come up with a result, but... I can go back and forth on abstract and concrete myself with my own analysis, and I'll share that with you a bit. But let's try another vector just to see if we can maybe nail that one for sure. Like where you're like, yes, that's me. Um, and, and, then we'll, and then we'll come back to those other two maybes after the fact. Um, and this one is fire and wind versus earth and water, and one of my most favorite ones. So fire and wind. And there's two options for fire and wood, and there's also going to be two options for earth and water. Um, so if you're like, that's me, you know, say something. So fire and wind, 
using my freedom of choice to create memories with others, or I want to observe what others are doing first to figure out what I want to do. And then there's earth and water, which is relies on past experience to figure out what may happen in the future, or focuses on the options and choices of others over my own experience. Which of those four things? Uh, so there, can you say that again? Yeah, yeah, I can. So fire and wind, which is the first one, and it has two attached to it. Using my yeah. freedom of choice to create memories with others, or I want to observe what others are doing to figure out what I want. Uh, an example of that would be like, um, you go to a restaurant and everyone's ordering food, but you want to kind of go last or second to last and see what everyone else is getting first before you decide which, what you want to order, uh, basically. Um, uh, that that's that's kind of like an example of I observe what others are doing to figure out what I want to do, right? There, that, but or there's the earth and water approach, um, and one of those options is at that same restaurant, you and this is what I do, you never let anyone order for you ever because it has to be exactly specific to what you want to get there, and you already know way in advance before you even show up to the restaurant exactly what you're going to order. Um, and that's kind of more of a, an earth and water approach, which I'll say again is relies on past experience to figure out what may happen in the future or focuses on the options and choices of others over my own experience, right? Focuses uh, on giving options. Definitely earth and water because uh, I, I always order the same thing at all the restaurants. I don't deviate. I, I know what I want and I rarely I, I mean i'll sample your food if you give me some but i i know what i want i go to the i go to the exact place the exact food for the last 10 years they know who i am i call them they don't yeah. even ask for they, they don't even ask for my freaking uh my phone number anymore they're like yeah 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 okay, just pick it up like, <laughs> they know, i'm always like i'm always going to the same place you know and it, it's not just awesome. one place it's like a bunch of place that I, i'm the regular you know, my girlfriend thinks it's embarrassing, but I'm like, no, I'm the regular. People like they know me. I come there. They, they know they me. Know I, I come there. Yeah, I, I'm the yeah, regular. Yeah. I got reputation there. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think I, I like that. I, it's not. It's not embarrassing to me. I think it's awesome. You know. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so yeah, earth and water. Okay. And um, can you give any other examples? Um, have you ever felt like or been accused of being stuck in your comfort zone before? Uh, and not really changing or moving in that regard? Uh, honestly, man, now I'm very open-minded, but in my, in my teens and 20, in 20s, I was not. I, I was pretty, uh, pretty close-minded. Like, I hang out with the same people, you know, like I said, same restaurant. Uh, didn't want to do anything new, you know. It wasn't until, like, like, some really bad things happened to me in my life in my late 20s. When I finally said, "Ah, this is not the right way to think. This is uh, like I'm fucking up my life by going like this," so I need to be more open-minded, you know. But even today, man, like even like if I'm playing PlayStation, like I just got PS5, I still want to play like the specific, the same kind of genre that I used to play a long time ago. You know, it's still the same. Like it's so I, I I'm a little bit more open-minded now, but it's still not like you know, not like crazy like other people would would be. All right. Well, that's awesome. 
Well, um, just going through expression, one of the worldviews and one of the affinities, the test has determined that you are definitely an ENFP. And I, I actually agree with that. I know I had said ESFP in the past on your channel, but I will definitely admit that I was wrong. Having the, the ability to spend a little bit more time with you and come to understand you a little bit more and you sharing more of your own experience and where you've come from, I, I agree with the test. Uh, I definitely maintain ENFP, which means the MBTI practitioner. I, I agree with them as well. And I guess that means I also would agree with uh, Dave and Shan's uh, approach as well, also ENFP. Because, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on earth and water. If you are definitely exerting a little bit more control to guarantee that you have an experience that you like to, to have over and over and over again, and an experience that you expect, etc., that would definitely mean you're earth and water, hands down. I originally thought that you were fire and winds, but given how you know you defend your comfort zone or defend your own experience or defend your expectations in that regard, I definitely have to say earth and water. And that's great because this gives you the ability to endure. And you can endure things probably better than anyone else. Sometimes you also expect other people around you to endure that same amount of pain, but you got to realize that you're kind of the strongest person in the room. And because you're so strong, that doesn't necessarily mean other people can endure what you can. Uh, and maybe you get criticized like, hey, you know, you do realize that uh, other people shouldn't have to go through that just because you did or just or because you can. Right. <laughs> I get that all the time, uh, especially from my wife all, all, all the time. Daily. I, yeah, I, I had I had an argument with someone about that before where like, I told them that, you know, in life you need to, you know, be able to handle yourself. And he said, no, not everyone can. Okay. I'm like, no, that's not true. You just didn't give them the opportunity to, to there's like, no, some people are actually weak and you need to protect them. I'm like, so <laughs> I guess that's, that's that. Yeah, definitely. But this is great. So um, the audience, uh, you, you are one of the few people that the audience got to experience uh, Chase issuing an, a, a, a retraction here, and uh, uh, which is cool. Um, I, I don't pretend to be 100% correct all the time. I maintain that the test in its current form that we've made is about 9 out of 10 accurate. we got to adjust some of the verbiage on the learn more things, but the initial tooltips, I think, are, are spot on and really helpful. But uh, overall, like, I'm not perfect. You know, this is like why, like, even when I do, like, my coaching clients and they really want to come back again and have a second session, if if I'm, you know, if I'm not sure that I was able to really, really drive the point home, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, come back for another 30-minute call. We'll, we'll get down and I'll explain my position a bit more. Or you'll explain. Because I've noticed, like, like even in, in my coaching sessions, if I just pick a random type and I just say, oh, you're this – They'll get defensive and they'll defend their position, and then because they're defending their permission, their position, the truth comes out. They're actually being real with me, as you said earlier. Like people just either don't know themselves, or they're lying, or they're just choosing not to be real because they want to put up this facade or something like that. And that's super common. And sometimes I got to put them on the defensive to get the truth to come out. And it's like, oh, okay, now that you're being honest with me, we can have that conversation. But, but yeah, I I definitely agree with this result with you and it really comes out with your channel because as i would say in the past or as you have said i guess um you know like i said that you were like this nexus that people are coming in and be like hey guys welcome 
You know, you're like the barker on the street. Extra, extra, read this or go check this out. You're kind of the conductor or the or the sentry or the watcher on the wall that sees the people coming up to the gate and they get up to the gate and you're like, okay, uh, cool, you're here. Yeah, welcome. Uh, you can come through the gate and uh, you might want to check this place out first. You might want to go check that place out first based on what they're looking for. And it's really necessary. It's good to have a people like that. Another advantage to you being an ENFP also is that when you are being really grateful and showing gratitude for other people, what this means is that people can have mercy. Like, the human race ultimately has a future because ENFPs exist. Because without ENFPs, there really wouldn't be mercy um, on for anyone, basically. Um, because the more... Because you, you know how how many how much people have done really good things for you in your life. And then you're able to express gratitude for those good things that people have done in your life. I think that's... I think that's really good and it gives it gives people an example to follow to just like hey be a little bit more forgiving because people like ENFPs can find any reason almost any reason to to you know get somebody the forgiveness that they need to be able to have a future and a tomorrow and that's that's what I love about the ENFP type the most uh, right there it's just they have to go out of their way to be as grateful as possible gratitude is everything and my daughter's an ENFP too and and helping her learn gratitude and see her grow as a result has been a really special experience for me. So, which is uh, pretty awesome. So, What's your wife? Uh, <laughs> she's uh, <laughs> she she is an ESTP hardcore. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely interesting. We I have TI parent, she has TI parent, so we're constantly TI parent criticizing each other constantly sometimes grinding each other into dust it's our our fights are it's it's the the battleground of titans which is something i talk about in season 18 content consistently and folks if you want to watch season 18 check it out in the members area csjoseph.life forward slash members you can check out uh, season 18 but uh yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of conflict because we have not as much you know, decision-making or emotional compatibility between the both of us, but it makes us stronger. We become a lot stronger as a result. We're able to get a lot more done in our lives. And yeah, there's a lack of TE and there's a lack of planning. We suck at planning. We just kind of take the day as it goes and that can cause a lot of friction. But at the end of the day, I know we mean well and we're able to somehow get through it. It's like, our relationship and our lives are absolute pure chaos just like how chaotic it was to just randomly start the show and do it and which i appreciate i really appreciate you just randomly agreeing to this like okay yeah sure and and here you are and i mean shoot we've been here for gosh like an hour and 45 minutes already so we were hanging out 30 minutes for before so but yeah man um so uh where do where do people need to go uh to watch more of your channel and become more introduced uh to this science as well as you know your point of view and and how you do your channel and whatnot where, where do people go for that yeah just go to youtube and type ian female one word and you'll see me there um i interview lots of people you can uh maybe chase can link our interview together yes uh, i will do that somewhere so people can see our interview when i first reached out to you, you know, uh, and uh, got acquainted and whatnot. So 
I am trying to find the link that I had. Hold on. I, I, will, I will find it when... Oh, hold on. There it is. I got the link. Alright, so for those of you that want to watch uh, the show that we had 11 months ago on his channel... Oh, it helps if I actually copy the entire link, not part of the link. And there it it's, is. It's, it's funny also about, like, earlier when you were talking about, like, not wanting to change. Like, you, know, you already know what you want and you don't want anyone else to pick. Because, like, my channel, I interview people, right? And people always come up to me and say, Kendrick, why don't you make original content? And I'm like, ah, oh, but I like interviewing people. Like, that's, that's what I want to do. So I, I, I did cave. I made some original content. They liked it. And actually, my subscriber count went up when I did. But I went back to the interview when I was done. I was like, okay, I appease the tribe. You know, everyone is good. Let's go back to the <laughs> But then you I'm getting bugged again, so I, I yeah, like I'm, they're bugging me again. Can you make more original content? I'm like, ah, okay, fine. And I'm always going for win-win, so. Yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, to those in the chat who are asking to see what the tests look as the final results, here are the results uh, for Kendrick. Informed progression, initiating, interest, and then earth and water. And the test came out with ENFP, also known as the Bard, uh, for those of you that like Dungeons and Dragons and the like. Uh, so there's the answer, folks. And, uh, and I agree with the answer wholeheartedly. And thank you, Kendrick, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're definitely one of my uh, more favorite of the MBTI YouTube blogosphere uh, people that participate and have your own channel. Um, I think what you're doing is really good for the community and definitely a service uh, for at least being that watcher on the wall or that nexus point or the starting place, basically, for anyone trying to get into the community. I think that's very necessary. And I'm really glad to have you a part of you know the overall community. So thank you very much for your contributions. And, and keep it up, please. We'd like to, we'd like to see more. Hopefully, they, hopefully uh, you get a lot more people interviewed on there. And maybe you interview people who have no idea what the science even is. And you can introduce them to it uh, on your channel and whatnot. Who knows? Um, but I, I think that would be uh, that would definitely uh, be awesome. So, and uh, Nihad JM says thank you both. Great ENP talk. Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. So that's awesome. All right. Well, um, uh, do you have anything else to say before we go? Before we wrap up the show here? I uh, no. Just just wanted to thank you for having me in your show, and it was last minute, which is fine, you know. Uh, <laughs> You literally messaged me it. like, I was like, huh? I was like, what? You want to do it right now? I'm like, oh, okay, sure, 30 minutes. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Why not? I was just like, yeah, man. here we are. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. And uh, I, I say this with a lot of sincerity. You are, in my in my opinion, the, the top three friendliest personality YouTuber there is. I know you're controversial, but I don't care because my, that's my personal opinion. And I don't care what people think. That's what I think. So, I I really Thanks, appreciate that, man. And coming from you, that's extremely high praise. Coming from an FI parent, that's very high praise. So thank you very much. I, I very much appreciate that. So, all right, folks. Well, uh, this is uh, CS Joseph and uh, Kendrick Yui signing off. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you guys next time.